Hi, I'm Bryn Thompson. This is the Coburn Ventures podcast. It's for our clients, for investors, for our community of industry leaders, fellows, and friends. This is a group that loves the craft of investing, studies change, is dedicated to business analysis and leadership, and all that's behind the scenes of that work. I hope you enjoy it. Elliot Noss, CEO of internet company Tucast for just about 25 years, starts us off with a simple but reverberating statement. The fundamental compact between employer and employee has changed. From that position, there are so many mutations of work, as he calls them, to consider. So let's dig in to the future of work as the compact between employer and employee shifts. What can we look for in companies that we run and analyze? So Pip and Elliot, get me caught up. You guys had a conversation uh, after I left off a few weeks ago and all these gems were revealed. Um, (laughs) So Pip, get us started. What what are we going to talk about today? They really were. Well, we were talking about the future of work. And Brendan and I have written about some of the angles we call omni-channel work, and um, which starts off with where are we going to do our work? Is it going to be online? Is it going to be this? And as we talk to different friends like uh, Matthias Holwich or Greg Parsons or JC Hertz or different, but we get more and more angles on this question. So we had a navigation session and it went, it went longer than normal. And Brendan had to drop off about five hour, five minutes after the hour. And she missed like some amazing things that Elliot said. Now, Elliot and I have known each other, I think since 2005, we were connected by David Eisenberg. And I immediately, I just wanted to keep hearing Elliot's wisdoms in group settings that we're at. He has been a CEO, he is a CEO of an internet company and has been for two decades. What year? Yeah, 25 years. It's unbelievable. Like that's not supposed to happen in the internet. Like, but Elliot keeps kind of thinking about everything, the culture and everything. So. That's a setup. Um, Elliot drops this idea on us that there's, on me, I think Brennan just about left. He said, there's so many mutations of work that are being unleashed that it is impossible to reduce down to a single formula. And I'll add in, even if you got that right for a day, the whole situation is so dynamic that those mutations are going to keep occurring and you just kind of have to embrace and do that really well. That's the first thing I heard. Elliot, could you restate that in your own words? Cause I'm sure I messed it up a bit. Uh, no, because it's not a homily that I can just make recourse to. Oh, come I on, mean, I, I will say, you know, I mean, where that goes, I, I, I mean, maybe I'll restate it for you in a, in a, you'll tell me Please. if this is the same or different. Um, one of the ways that I think about it is the the whole compact between employer and employee has changed, you know, sort of, sort of from this point forward. And that has so many facets to it that, um, you know, I start digging into one and, and, you know, it just leads me deeply down, uh, you know, down one branch, but there are dozens of these changes, and so you know, I've, I, I I I call them mutations because they are 
uh, evolutions that have been forced by the pandemic, but had underlying principles that were sitting there latent uh, uh, more often than not. So, I mean, really, um, you know, I, I, I started to think about, and it could even just be in the eight days since that conversation, you know, just the fundamental compact is, has changed. And then, yeah. and then we all live in this uh, sort of framework of institutions um, that, that, that have not caught up. You know, I'll give you two quick examples. You, um, uh, we have, uh, uh, you know, work from home is now necessary. The way that the tax code deals with it, particularly in Canada, it's a little bit different in other places. Uh, we're in Canada, we have employees all over the world, so we see sort of both sets of these things, uh, is that, it, that in order to deduct expenses for a home office, the company has to require you to have that facility as a as an element of your employment. You know, and this is something that made ah. sense pre-pandemic. But, but, but now you're in this uh, uh, environment and it would require the company to submit a form that would include probably two false statements, but still substantively, you know, you, 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 you have this situation where employees should. So there you go, tax codes not caught up to it. You now have, you know, we've had a, a, a couple employees where they've changed their employment. Uh, so mm -hmm. coming back from disability, so they'd been engaged with insurers. Now somebody's ready to come back, but because of the pandemic, they're only gonna come back for four days instead of five. Well, that's a mess for insurers and LTD, you know, for long-term disability, short-term disability, long-term disability return to employment. So, you know, sorry, in our form or in our set of rules, that doesn't work, you know? And, and so you just have all of these changes out there and 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 all of our institutions haven't caught up to them. I'll give you a third. You know, we before you, know, you before you do that, I want to throw in yeah the second thing. This yep. mutations of work like nailed it for me. I want to throw in the second because I think you might actually you know spoil my buildup, and that would be a real bummer here on a, sure. a great otherwise a great Friday. Sure. So then I said after this mutations of work hits me, being someone that studies change and all, I said oh. This is deeply cultural. Okay, that's going in our power alley. So I said, Elliot, the companies that we see the signals of how they adapt on their products and adapt with their supply chain and they adapt with their community and the, yeah. those would be really great signals of who's going to get this new oh, yeah, right. thing right. Yeah. And Elliot goes, not so fast. Or, or he said something better, which was like, I disagree with that, Pip. And I was like, I love it. <laughs> say that because then I'm like oh this is going to be really good so and sure enough you said something like once you actually are inner touching employees lives you literally said all bets are off as in this is a totally different skill set that you and, can't assume because they got this right they're going to get that right and right? aren't you almost automatically touching employees lives in a much more intimate way even though we're all spread apart you're yep. You're suddenly in their home life. Yep. Yep. Uh, yes. Uh, I think that, you know, I, I guess, Pip, what really jumped out to me, you know, and then I'm going to connect this to exactly the point you're making, Bryn, what really 
jumped out to me was the difference between being technically adept uh, or agile around things like supply chain, you know, around business strategy. At the end of the day, it's all affected by people. And, you know, we all know that, you know, whatever plays the coach draws up, if the players can't or don't or won't execute them, they really don't matter how, you know, it doesn't matter how brilliant uh, they are. One of the, you know, that uh, um, one of the things that I bore people uh, at Two Cows with by saying over and over is, uh, you know, great execution trumps great strategy. Give me, you know, mediocre strategy and great execution, and I'll take on great strategy and mediocre execution every time. And, you know, that execution requires, you know, the, the, the people who have to do it day to day to be engaged. And because that whole compact has changed, that engagement becomes different. You know, I, I mean, the, the things that you have to deal with just at a comp level, you know, I talked about home mm. office, you know, I can talk about flexibility Regents. in work hours, flexibility in, in benefits. Um, you know, one of the things I mentioned on the call, you know, here's a question that nobody can answer is work from home for the benefit of the company or the employee? And the answer is yes. <laughs> right. And, and, and now what do you do with that? Right. So, um, you know, we've had, because we have a very open culture, we've had some very frank conversations about, uh, you know, that I'm going to grossly paraphrase as, you know, you're saving so much money, company, shouldn't you be paying me more? Uh, in response, well, you're saving so much money, employee, shouldn't you be taking less? You, you mentioned that oftentimes the first reaction of humans will be uh, how they're losing. You said something yeah. like, they won't calculate that they don't, you know, they have no parking expenses anymore when they drive to work. Yeah, or commute oh, or that. cheaper Good food. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, I mean, that's always, uh, uh, people always count other people's money. And, and ultimately you know? you're, you're responsible for making sure the, the organization is actually functioning and working and you still have clients and all that and sure. work gets done. So both groups can look at it. I was thinking, doesn't this accelerate automation meaning? Yeah. Um, just often, to not have to deal with people. Yes no. I, yeah, I've had that thought that being a great ma manager is really tough. Now it's like yeah. way tougher. And having an employee even versus, you know, having it outsourced to some service provider that's, you know, now you're the client and all those things. Will this accelerate automation, do you think? Yeah, that's years? a great, I, I mean, you know, and I, and I do just, I mean, it's a very provocative thought. I think the short answer is uh, yes, and it probably shouldn't. In other words, I think people will automate as quickly as the technology would make it, you know, sort of appropriate above a line of suitability. And if you do that too soon, you're going to lose all of the flexibility. You know, you talk about this agility, which mm -hmm. I believe in, Pip. Um, you know, it's humans are still much more flexible uh, mm -hmm. than than uh, oh, yeah. uh, you know anything you can automate and. Um, you know, it just, it, what, it increases the importance of the people function. It increases the importance of culture. It increases the importance of mission because when people are dealing with um, 
weird change. You know, humans don't like change and there's so much change oh. now. Um, you know, keeping people engaged despite these frustrations, right? I mean, mm. you know, we, we can share with our employees that we're tracking the government's position on uh, uh, the tax policies around work from home and we have until April and, you know, here's the current status. It doesn't matter. We're still the, you know, kind of the front man for that. And mm. uh, so I, I, I think that just in all of these um places the the compact changes you know i'm really so I, settling into that as the the right way to think about it sometimes when in these big periods of transition or disequilibrium we have these fantasies of like or or we observe companies coming up you know the new companies the greenfield they have the chance to put it all together in a new way do you it doesn't seem like that is possible these are much more foundational Question. Oh yeah, I look, I think the smaller you are, the very small, you know, uh, mm -hmm. a, a, a founder and a team of engineers, you know, sure, because kind of the, 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 the nexus is all so tight. But, you know, most startups don't have mature people practices, you know, many startups, and now I'm talking about well funded, 20 to 100 employees mm -hmm. outsource HR. HR equals recruiting, right? <laughs> right? None of this, I mean, other than filtering well for culture on the inbound, none of this is recruiting, right? This is all of the uh, uh, other elements of the people function, right? So, you know, who's got the best people practice in the world? If you ask me, it's Google, you know, that they've been able to do, what, I mean, they have innovated in as many regards as in HR as they have in technology. I, I mean, they've mm -hmm. done fascinating things. Now they have real challenges, but I just think that's about their the hyperscale of their growth. I mean, there's so much you can learn from their HR practices. And, um, uh, you know, so many of the elements there uh, will serve them. So I, I think that, you know, boy, it's going to be harder. You know, uh, by the same token, that, that might be something in transition. In other words, the people function may start to become a core element of more mm. startups at an earlier stage. You know, we'll see if that happens. One thing I, I think we did, uh, I put forward on that particular day that you didn't think was uh, ridiculous. I, I put out the idea that the hiring and focus on hiring superbly would pay off phenomenally. Oh, yeah. And if you kind of, you know, are filling spots, that's going to be just absolutely deadly now. Because yeah. You used to, if, if you didn't have a strong collective consciousness of your company, well, at least yeah. the people were going to show up five, four days a week or five days a week. You could recorrect. Now yeah. people are spread all over. And I think you agreed with that. What, what one or two Deeply. questions historically have you asked in the, in the hiring process yeah. to gain like a, a sense of whether that person was going to be a match? Because you've hired like a lot of people over a long yeah. period of time. Yeah, I think that and what would you ask now, maybe? Um, yeah, there's, 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 there's two things here, you know, because I think this is so behavioral. Um, the first, rather than talk about a specific question, I want to talk about the role of questions. Um, hmm. One of the things that, that uh, we put in, and I'm going to say I put in because it was really, you know, sort of something that 
was such change that I had to really babysit it for about 18 months before, you know, the sapling took root in the soil was uh, I required all hiring managers, whenever you're putting in a rec, you had to have two to four questions. And that when you were reviewing now applicants, you had to read the questions before you looked at the resume or looked even at the name or the cover letter. And it was at the time intended to deal with bias. It was, you know, it's fascinating. Try it yourself. You know, if you read the questions, you have an impression of the person, of the applicant that then can change when you see the name, which has gender, ethnicity, other connotations, or the resume, you know, mm. particularly around education and previous experience has connotations. So, um, but what that's doing is kind of forcing some behavioral into it as well. So, um, you know, that's the importance of questions at an early stage. And by the way, 20% of applicants are kind of like, oh, I'll tell you on the interview. Thank you. You're lazy and sort of self-centered. We filtered that beautifully. Um, and so the, that's kind of the first thing that comes to mind. The second is, you know, I'll, I'll go to, you know, we're very much, uh, so it's just question connected to mission. So I have a view that my role in hiring, because I'm the CEO, I, you know, I, I, uh, unless it's a hire that I'm making directly, which is very rare, you know, once every couple of years, um, should be uh, uh, to sort of filter for fit. But what I'm looking at is, um, is this the best job for this person? Not, is this person the best for this job? Everybody else is going to do that. You know, I have a deep belief that if the person, if this is the best job for that person, they're going to kill it. They're going to work like crazy. They'll, you know, it won't be work to them. Right. And so that's what I'm going for. And I'm really trying to get on their side of the table. And so um, when I'm, when I'm doing that in our context, it's, uh, you know, we, we are a company that lives in service to the open internet. That's really an ethos in our company. So I would ask, a question or questions around that. You know, tell me about the first time you fell in love with the internet. Now, that's a question I used to ask more. Now, obviously, you know, it's, 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 um, uh, digital uh, natives look at right, you. Right, right. It's very different. So, I mean, I don't, right. Uh, you know, I still can trot that one out if I'm, if I'm, uh, hiring you can somebody in, who sub in you know, internet for TikTok or something. Yeah. No, no. You know, I, I, but I go for other, you know, other things that go to the marvel of it, the mm. beauty of it. You know, uh, somebody who really sees the internet as, uh, you know, some sort of transcendent element. And, um, and, 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 and that, type of, you know, that's very specific, right? So yeah. if I was giving somebody else advice, it would be, you know, what's the mission or purpose of your company? You know, what, what, what would best kind of help you understand if the person cared about that, you know? Let's say just a quick greatest hits. Elliot, one thought above all else that popped out during this is 15 minutes. It could be a small thing, a big thing. You know, you, this has made me think about uh, that, 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 that bit about startups and the people function becoming uh, more deeply uh, important really has me thinking about where we could step that up. So I've, I've 
mm. you know, when I'm talking now in all hands, I come back to um, three concepts, mindfulness, gratitude, and intentionality. And yeah, we're, we're trying to help our employees with those concepts. I really want to keep, you know, sort of make it okay for people to feel weird or bad or worried in this time. And those three words are, are, are things I'm really driving them to, 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 to come back to. So um, uh, you've made me think about how I can even more connect those to the people practice. Mm -hmm. And, and you know what more could we be doing? I mean, we do a mindfulness session every uh, uh, every noon Eastern, so people all over the the, the world can uh, uh, kind of reach it. And um, you know, we have a bunch of stuff in L and D that we're doing, but you know, what more? So you know, we we have a course we've just launched, you know, how to be a better human, um, which is really just you know, it's all behavioral right? Mm -hmm. That's an internal course. And so it's, but uh, you know, it's, this is really reinforcing for me that you can't go deep enough. There's mm -hmm. so much change and so many vectors to it. So my greatest hit is the flipping, flipping the lens and hiring and asking, is this the job for you? Yeah. Oh, I never asked that. I never asked that, Brent. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I'm just filtering on You're it. Thinking, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I, I want to, what I, what I look to do there, it's like, if I see, for instance, let's say I've seen a couple jobs where somebody was a, a technologist in music. Oh, I see you've worked in music. Oh, so you, you know, you love music and I'll get them to talk about it. And you know, what I'm trying to figure out is, is that where their passion is? Is that where they really want to be? You know, sometimes it's usually the arts where you, you know, you can find sensitivity around that stuff. Um, but, but, but often thematically, there are other areas too. And so I would never ask that because you're in an interview. Oh, yes. You know, it's a, this is my dream it's, job. It's such a great way to think about the match, you know, is this someone who, and it could be more abstract, right? This person just loves to be on teams. Well, right. it, but, but that's okay, right? And that yeah. does exist. I got to tell you, you know, now as, a, as, the, uh, as the parent to adults, you know, that's something that I have had to particularly push on my daughter more than my son, uh, you know, where she's about, you know, sort of pleasing the potential employer. And I'm, I'm really trying to drive her to what do you want? You know, mm -hmm. don't, you know, don't, don't, you know, don't focus on what they want. And, and it's really, we have such a deep culture on, you know, that's, that, that, that's all about, you know, sort of that just, just giving them what they want and uh, intentionality. My, my greatest hit is going to come back to a comment. I, I asked Richard Larimer, one of our friends in communications, uh, corporate communications, a guru in that space. Many of you know him about a year and a half ago, I said, Hey, you know, I don't think the left part of the political spectrum is throwing tomatoes at you know CEOs the way they were doing that 10 years ago. Am I, am I confused? And he said, no, Pip, you're absolutely right. And I said, why? And he said, in order to get the job as a publicly traded C company CEO, you actually have to care now. And Elliot, what dawned on me is you're kind of one of Brennan, my favorite phrases is William Gibson, the, the future here, it's just unevenly distributed. And I think the care that you've taken for 25 years of running an internet company, who wants to run an internet company for 25 years for, for God's sake. So, but you kind of 
you've been doing those, that thinking about employee and manager. And that's why I just stopped on a dime when you disagreed with some of my premises in the, the discussion a few weeks ago, because you're thinking at such a deep level about bringing all of those things and creating amazing environments. Well, uh, you know, I have to, I have to remind not you, but myself really, or uh, that, that, you know, I, I'm not able to do that without a strong enough group under me. I mean, I really find, I'm so thankful that we are where we are at a, mm. um, you know, at a team level, you know, if this was five years ago, I wouldn't have had the space to do this. And um, so it's not, uh, you know, this is, uh, there, there's, there's a luxury to be able to have space and, 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 you know, and sit back and, uh, you know, think about change like that. Uh, uh, you know, there's always so much going on day to day. I'm sure, you know, you guys find like I do, these days are just a blur of, of meetings. Now I, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm sitting with an emotional state, whatever it might be. And then I have to kind of pause and see which <laughs> meeting I have to connect that to, you know, and, 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 and so, you know, it's just, it's all different. Uh, we were talking last night, you know, whatever comes out on the other side, it will never be like it was. There's so much change that's happening through the liminal state that the other, it'll just never be like it was in fundamental ways. And so, you know, I think we, we, we have, uh, we can lament that, but you know, we're on the ride. So I get the benefit of adding another greatest hit and listening back to this conversation, the portion that uh, stuck out to me is that the changes in knowledge work increase the importance of the people function, the culture, the mission. And these are things that cannot be outsourced or put off until things, you know, quote unquote, get back to normal. This is the heart of a company and will likely act as a distributor and redistributor of competitive advantage through this time and into the future. So thank you, Elliot. This was just such a great conversation. And if you haven't listened to the 20th, 28th episode with Greg Parsons, the, the two conversations are really meant to go together and complement each other nicely. So I hope you will take a listen.